Chris. Win or learn, episode yeah. seven this week. We have been absolutely buzzing for this all week. Uh, an absolute hero in our eyes and friend. And this episode, we're going to start talking to Emily McInnes. You got that right. Well done, pal. I've just yeah. been, been under pressure here <laughs> pronouncing that incorrectly. But no, Emily McInnes <laughs> is a nurse, been working on the front line during the pandemic over the last 12 months. Uh, a hero in our eyes and we really want to take this episode to celebrate her as a person do, yes. uh, and as a friend so Emily how are you are you doing well are you looking forward to the podcast ah oh, good afternoon yeah I'm all good thank you what a lovely introduction <laughs> don't give me all that credit <laughs> <laughs> no let's let's get into it mate I think yeah let's do it well yeah hello Emily you're looking very well and thank you very much for giving us your time to, to join and share, oh, your, share your story and experience of um past sort of 12 months I guess um yeah. and we want to start by asking you know I mean I remember when we went into lockdown in the UK I was sat in a pub I think it was a Friday afternoon and next thing you know we were going to be shut for three weeks um and I was like how are we going to get through this you know 12 months later we're still here yeah um but obviously in your eyes the NHS you know the, the, the spiraling rumors of, of the coronavirus and COVID sort of spread you know from China um and you know those those caught us off guard as a nation yeah, and, yeah. you know how did that sort of leak into the NHS and then really rapidly accelerating, you know, overwhelm you guys. And it'd just be good to sort of understand right from the start, um, from your eyes, how that took off. Well, so, so obviously usually I'm in paediatrics and I've been there the last like, well, it was three years, three and a half years at the point where like the pandemic started. Um, and then I just remember like that week where all the numbers were like going through the roof and there was rumors of lockdown. Um, there was, I mean, there was loads of rumours in the hospital, like basically not really sure what was going to happen. Um, and then there were things like, so we have ventilators in paediatrics um, and then like the adult service. So I'm at a hospital where it's paediatrics and adults. And then the adult services, like the intensive care, they started coming down, taking some of our ventilators. Um, and then like, we just kind of heard the rumours how short staff it was upstairs. So we were kind of like in this weird state where we were thinking, like fortunately paediatrics is quite quiet, but um, we were kind of thinking like, oh God, like what's gonna happen now? Like they're taking ventilators from paediatrics, the staffing is awful upstairs. Um, so we were all like, to be honest, a bit terrified. Um, and it was kind of like there in the pipeline, there was a potential that we might go up to adult services and all of us being paediatric nurses, obviously like we're used to tiny people. Um, so the thought of going into adults was terrifying. And also intensive care, it's a different environment to what I'm currently working in. Um, so yeah, like we were all terrified. Um, and then quite quickly, like things progressed and within, so that was like the first week, I think that was literally the week that they must've announced or the week before they announced the lockdown. Um, and then a week later, there was quite a few of us that got redeployed to adult services. So we went up to adult ITU and were basically just thrown in the deep end. But I mean, it's all that we could do. So right at the start, are you were you quite shielded from it a little bit, even though you were in the hospital and you were, you know, doing going about your day job, were you still a little bit unaware of what was going on? Because obviously adults and paediatrics completely separate. You were just still hearing rumours. Like, what was that? What was that like? Did you... When they said, oh, you have to go to adult, was there any expectation that you might have to go? Or did they just sort of say, you have to go next Monday and get in there? And then what was that What was that like? Because have you ever dealt with adult services at all? 
No, well, that was a thing. And I think I think the weird thing is that all of us paediatric nurses felt, so we were like really quiet in paediatrics, not really sure what, I guess it was kind of like coming to like the end of winter. So generally in paediatrics, the winter's the worst months um, because of all like children are susceptible to colds, coughs, flu, et cetera. Um, so kind of coming to the end of winter. So we as like paediatric service was getting quieter. And then obviously like we heard how busy upstairs were um so we almost felt a bit guilty because we were like we're actually having a fun pediatrics um but we could just see that like upstairs we're really struggling um and then obviously like doctors coming down and intensive care staff coming to get ventilators we almost felt a bit helpless to begin with Mm. because we were just like we want to help and also like obviously this is the first pandemic we've been in so we knew that a lot was going on upstairs um in intensive care but it's about you're in a situation where you can't go up yet because we haven't been told to go up but you feel bad that we're not really that busy and doing anything so you want to be part of it you want to help but then obviously there's the element where we are pediatric trained we're not adult trained but and then I guess some sort of like what we kind of thought was although our background of pediatrics ultimately it's the same kind of principle whether you're like pediatrics adults you're it's at the end of the day it's human that you're looking after yes children are a lot smaller than adults and there's a lot of you know differences in like the anatomy and physiology and all of that but on the whole like in terms of your basic nursing like we were like do you know what we could do this like it's not going to be easy it's going to be a massive challenge but we're in a pandemic what else can you do it's better that actually getting some help than no help um and ultimately like it would come to the point where it would be in a situation where actually that patient hasn't got a nurse to look after them so it's better than having a nurse that might be pediatric trained um and doing everything they can than that patient having no one so we were all like we were all for it we were like you know what it's a rubbish situation for everyone um but we can't like bear the thought of all the nurses upstairs being overworked and stressed um so basically if we could help we, we were happy to and then so we kind of like put it out there like obviously if they need us then yeah we're happy to go and then quite quickly that changed. Like um, we had, oh, I'm trying to think now. I think it was like, um, we had like a meeting that happened quite quickly. Um, and it basically, it was like a bed meeting, like the whole of the hospital, all the people high up were there. And it was quite quickly like, okay, things are really bad now. Like you need to go upstairs to adults. And once we were, I think it must've been like a week later, um, oh no, I think less than that, maybe like four days later, um, we were assigned to adult ITU and a whole rotor that was in paediatrics just went up there. So there was obviously still people running the paediatric services, but on the whole, that was really quiet mm. um, because like coronavirus hasn't really been affecting children in the same way that it has been affecting adults. So um, yeah, and then for like the, well, for the next three months, our rotor was up in adult intensive care. And uh, my goodness, like it was just crazy. Like it was just, it was like something out of a film. Like mm. you literally have been like with nursing, it's very much like you can't do this until you're competent and signed off on this. Like it's, it's all about like competencies, um, being signed off, feeling comfortable to do it, and then it's like you're safe to practice kind of thing. And it had gone from like the whole time I've been nursing to getting everything signed off to like, okay, you actually have no choice. You just got to get yourself up there and do it. Um, so it was one of those situations where I think like the intense atmosphere of it, you, you did just work so hard. Like, I mean, generally in nursing, you work really hard anyway, because you have to, and you want to, but, um, yeah, it was a situation where it's like the end of the day, if I don't get myself involved and if I don't do this and someone's going to die, so you just got to do it, you get on with it. And it's amazing how much 
you pick up quickly. Like you literally are thrown in the deep end. You have given, you've been given an intubated, ventilated patient. You're by yourself. You never looked after one before, but you just have to go through like your your general nursing, the safety, like your, what we call it, like your ATE assessment. You just go through all of that and suddenly like you're in a situation and it's almost like the adrenaline and everything. You just get on with it. Um, and then obviously, so we were there for three months in total. By the end, like within a few weeks, you were quite, like you picked things up very, very quickly because you had no choice to. Um, and then you kind of get into it and actually, there was it went kind of went from like the fear and like the anxiety um which was kind of like overridden by like the adrenaline that was getting you through it um and then you kind of after like a week or two you were like right like we're in a pandemic let's do this and then you were kind of just like so driven and motivated and you were so like touched by all of the patients because like the patients there so i feel like i'm rambling on no, <laughs> no please, please carry this, on this is this is incredible yeah. this is for you to have the floor to keep going. <laughs> Um, yeah, like the patients there, like a lot of them were like 50, 60, like 70, like so all of our parents' age, like so the whole time that you're there, you're just thinking, oh, that could be my mom, that could be my dad, my auntie, my uncle. So I think from that point of view, like you were just so like, I've got to help these people. I want to do everything I can to help them because this literally could be my mom in that bed or whatever. And then you literally just did not stop. Like all, like your heart, like your whole everything, like your whole heart, everything just was like fully in it. Like you just wanted to help them basically. Um, so yeah, but I mean, it was tough, it was really hard, but I look back on it and I think, do you know what? They were like, a crazy three months and then I did go back for a little bit like this second wave but I've now moved hospitals so I'm not actually in adult service anymore um but yeah like I look back at it and I think god they were like the hardest three months ever like so like emotionally and physically draining so so tough but I do look back and I just think like the whole of the NHS has just done so well I mean they still are doing incredibly but obviously at that point there was no um it was very much like there was no contingency plan like they didn't prepare for a pandemic all of a sudden all of this was happening and there was no plan like literally no one had a plan it was like on the spot planning so everything was just like all over the place so i just think the fact that like the whole of the nhs just pulled together and did loads of things out of their comfort zone um but like got through it and i know sadly a lot of people have died but then a lot of people have got through it and they wouldn't have done if people didn't pull together basically so yeah, i look that, back that, and i think like those three months were they were like incredible but like terrifying yeah. but horrendous but like basically an array of emotions those three months <laughs> but um yeah. sounds a bit different to what me and you do i mean I know, like, right? the, the, the pressures are pressures are mad yeah i think the thing that stood out for me out of all of that is you know when we are taught or asked to learn a new skill right we can apply it's, it's laptop based we can learn a skill you're dealing with people's lives and mm. you know i can't even tell you how much we we commend you for, for what you just said you know you're dealing with people this is this is their lives and, and yours you know you were thrown in the deep end um I want to talk about you and your personal experience. How were you feeling when you were going home at night in between all of this? And, you know, it's been incredible insight from, from what was going on, you know, in work point of view. But, you know, part of the part of the reason why we do this is to learn about people and share stories. Yeah. And I'd just be really good to understand how you were feeling when, when you know, behind closed doors about this all. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of like nurses and doctors would all say the same. Like it was it was like a roller coaster like, up and down. Like you'd be like oh my god like the very beginning it was like oh this is terrifying like 
but there was like an element of like oh like what's going on up there because you're I think as well you're so detached from it into, but so you see it on the news you see it in the media um, and at this point there was no like when we first went up there was no media released in terms of like you so we see it now everyone in their PPE on the adult intensive care it's there's been loads of um like there's loads of clips on the news and whatnot and there's been like some um documentaries on it but at first you just have no idea so you don't even know what to expect you just don't even you can't even picture it basically mm. and then you get there and you're like oh my god like this actually is crazy like I mean you've got to imagine it you've got all these sick patients on ventilators and then you just got everyone in PPE and you can literally see their eyes um so it was like it was mad um so I think there was to begin with it was that kind of like the fear of the unknown like the anxiety um, but then there was almost that element of, not, I don't want to say excitement, but it was like, oh, like what actually is going on up there? Because we've been mm. hearing about it on the news, what is the situation? And then it was like the terror where you're like, oh my goodness, this is actually a thing. This is real. Like it's not just on the news anymore. Like you feel very close to it rather than that detachment. And then it's like, we've got this, come on, let's all just do our thing. You know, we can only do our best, but like we're here to help and we want to do this. So then I think you kind of ride on adrenaline a lot and you get through that. But then, I mean, but within any, within any, any situation, unfortunately, in healthcare, it, it is very up and down. Like you'll have your good days and you're like, wow, I feel like I did loads that shift. And then you'll have your bad, like as in I really helped that shift. And you have your bad days where like you've done everything you can. And then obviously, you know, things, people die, people like people are really sick. You've got, you know, the poor families the other end that can't be with them so I think you know it's it's very much I do think it's like the people say it's like the power of the uniform and like being in a hospital setting where when you're in the zone you're in the zone and you get on with it and you just you you hold you have to hold back tears at times but you do it because at the end of the day I, my mindset is whatever like I like whatever's going on with that patient and their poor family like they're in a so much worse situation than me and we are so like, I just you don't even feel like you can get upset and then it's like kind of when you come home um and then there were times where it's like it suddenly hits you and you're like oh my god the things that I've seen that day like gosh I never thought I would see it at all in my life <laughs> um, and then it's those times when you're like it kind of hits you and you have your bad days and you need someone to kind of motivate you to pick you up again and um, a little cry a little vent to people I mean I'm very fortunate so my mum's also a nurse um so the amount of times bless her that I rang her <laughs> because anyone in healthcare like people will try to understand but actually they won't unless you're they're a nurse themselves um they just won't have that same kind of understanding not like no fault of anyone else it's lovely that people do try and understand um but yeah I mean there's different people you can go to for different things but I think ultimately it's got me through the pandemic is it was like talking to my mum um and my other nursing friends and obviously all my close friends as well and Callum's been amazing but you know he's like he he wouldn't really understand what's going on he'd listen um and cheer me off and make me laugh and that's all I really needed because he obviously didn't really get <laughs> the medical side of things but you know what sometimes it's nice not actually to like to have someone that doesn't understand it and they can be like do you know what that's it let's watch a film let's have a giggle let's do whatever so yeah no but Emily I wanted to just um take a step back because at the start you said it's very similar move the principles are the same from pediatrics to adults because obviously these are people we're just humans but when you're actually in, I think you said ITU, when you're actually in there and you're dealing with grown men, grown women, you know, fathers, mothers, grandparents and stuff like that, what was what was it actually like inside 
the ITU. You, you've said that you can, you've saw some stuff that you never thought you'd see. Don't know if you can go into any detail about that, but just give us an insight of what, what it was like dealing with, you know, adults and, and on a day-to-day basis when you're going from little, little people to, to big people. Yeah. Well, I think the, so the first like main difference was suddenly you're in all this PPE and we've, so, I mean, at times I can't actually, I think before this, I've never been in that much PPE. So, um, and also don't forget like, so if, for example, if you did need to wear PPE, um, like in paediatrics, the most I've ever worn it is literally to go into a cubicle to do whatever I need to do and then come out and that's that. Whereas for a start, it's all, the whole of the IT was a red zone. So it basically meant that when you went through those subwoods, so you have your donning and your doffing stations and your donning is where you put on all your PPE. Um, and as soon as you would put all that PPE on, so the long blue gowns, the FFP3 masks that aren't that breathable, um, your visor, your hairnet, uh, your gloves, everything that comes with it, you're suddenly like, okay, this is it now. I can't, I've got to stay in this PPE until I can have a break. And generally, when it, so but like I know there's been loads of things in the news about lack of PPE we were very fortunate in our hospital we never actually got to that point there was a point where uh it was close and we were told that we could only have like two outfit changes as such um basically it means so once you once you've once you've donned you go in you do what you need to do um we ate so that when it was, it was worse it was Easter I remember it was Easter uh bank holiday weekend and it was actually when I had COVID myself but at that point it wasn't an official symptom so I still had to come into work obviously I would have stayed off work if uh loss of taste and smell was an official symptom but it wasn't and I did ring and I said like is it okay for me to come into work and they're like yeah it's not an official symptom come in so at this point I had COVID myself so I wasn't really feeling well at all um and then you're in all of this PPE um and then, so that was like the first major difference is trying to like adapt to that PPE. So that was just exhausting in itself. And it was a really hot weekend. And then, sorry, going back, I'm kind of off on two tangents here, but going back to that tangent was that weekend, that Easter weekend, when it was worst, there wasn't enough PPE. So you literally only had enough for two outfit changes. So you slightly shift at quarter to eight. So at 12 midday, we could come out and at, in your breaks, you wee, you drink and you eat and that's it. And then you go back in all your PPE and then our next break was like five, six. So you can't wee, drink, eat or anything between those times. So you literally at midday and then 6 p.m. and then that was it. That was when it was at its worst, but fortunately it did get better. And they were actually really good at giving us breaks because it is important. Um, so that was the, the sort of the first major thing was getting used to like climatizing to all that PPE. Um, which I wasn't used to in paediatrics. Um, and then it was just that like, obviously these patients are so much bigger. Like we just, we are used to like babies and even, you know, children, well, I look after children, children up to 17, but on the whole, we're probably literally newborn to 11. So a lot smaller. And like some of these patients, they were like 160, 170 kilos. They were absolutely massive. So even things like, doing your cares and your turns like it took five of you and it was so hard and where these patients were big not all of them but some of them um and you're in all your PPE it was just it was hot and sweaty so I think that was like another major thing to get used to um and then I think yeah I think emotionally it was just so sad like these people just did not deserve to be in the hospital like it like I said it could just be like any of our parents um so it was just yeah it was really really sad and like they just these people just didn't deserve anything like one day they're fine they catch a virus and then they're 
on a ventilator, like fighting for their life. So I think that that was like really hard to comprehend. You just it was just really quite surreal. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think and also we're like in pediatrics you're very much looking after the child and the family as a whole but obviously where none of their families were there that was really hard to adjust to um and we'd ring them and update them but again these patients were really really sick so from the get-go you were just doing everything for them and actually it was so hard trying to i mean i made sure that i did find time to update the family because i just do think that's very important i think coming from pediatrics it's very much like family-centered care and that is drilled into you and like and also you want to but um so I think I just kind of thought as well like how hard like if that was like my for example my mum and my dad and like being at home the other the other end of it and just literally waiting all day for a phone call or trying to because a lot of people they obviously they tried to ring but when the nurses and doctors were so busy it was actually so hard for people to answer the phone um, and update them so I just think like also how awful must that be being the other side of it so to me I found that really important to yeah. update in the families because oh, I can't imagine anything worse than sitting there waiting for a phone call yeah. um, yeah. for people yeah. in hospital not normally you know family can visit and obviously that was a huge change yeah. of COVID. I mean I think I've been in hospital twice right with a broken nose um, never been put right unfortunately so <laughs> third time lucky in the future maybe um, but I've always had my mum there to support me kind of thing so that you know must have been such a John you know, and hard thing for people to to you know in a, in a patient's shoe kind of thing yeah um, mm. but just kind of like you mentioned there the hot weather in sort of the summertime and you know I sort of look you know we, we look back on our summer we were quite lucky to be able to start going out again and a little taste of norm normality I guess within the the restrictions set out um, you see the chart didn't you and it really was a like a yeah. big, and in the summer hardly any obviously there were still some cases yeah it just hardly. tailed off yeah um but you know what was that sort of transition like for you guys i mean you must have you know not back to normal but there must have been some sense of um relief and pressure on you from on a day-to-day -day point you'd be i would have thought anyway i'm asking you um and then sort of where does that lead into now where we are because it's just gone you know through the roof again mm -hmm. Um, so it'd be good if you could just explain a little bit around, you know, the, the summer to where we are now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the summer, to be honest, it was great in many ways because we had like we had a nice summer, didn't we, in terms of the weather. So it kind of meant that like on your days off, that was nice. You could actually just go for a nice walk or sit in the park. Um, so we were there. So I went up to Azure ITU the end of March, April, May, June. So I was there till like June time. So the summer actually meant that I could go back to paediatrics and it was just so nice being back um and also it's just what you know isn't it like I love being a, a paediatric nurse like it's amazing and that is ultimately why I signed up to nursing is just for the children um although saying that I actually did have a really good experience in adult services and whatnot they're all lovely um but yeah I think that was quite surreal then you'd gone from like just pure exhaustion for like three months and then we went back to paediatrics and actually it was a really nice summer again generally in the hospital it's quieter in the summer because you don't have all the winter bugs going around um but you know and i, I think in adult services that also did improve um and to be honest those the adult nurses that work in adult intensive care they've done so incredibly well because they've literally been there the first peaks and they've been there the whole of the summer like yes the cases were lower and they didn't always have covid patients so that it meant that they didn't have to wear the PPE all the time, but then they've obviously had like an awful winter. So I feel like, I mean, I had three months there and then another month like this um, spike, 
but I mean credit to them I like I they've done it for a whole year which is just incredible and they were all absolutely amazing like phew, crazy um but yeah so I think this yeah the summer was nice definitely nicer and then I think the whole element where like everyone had a nice summer and you know people on the whole I think were sticking to the rules um and then I think the frustrating part was when the winter, so when we went into winter, the cases were all rising again from like end of October, November time. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, it must have been October time because then we went back into that lockdown in November. But the most frustrating thing is the cases didn't come down or they came down like, you know, like not very significantly at all, very small amount. And then Boris sets everyone out the lockdown again, beginning of December. And obviously December's a time where it's like the build up to Christmas and everyone's all excited and everyone wants to get together, fair enough. And then it's like, like basically no one should have been let out during that period. Um, and then obviously Christmas happened. And then as soon as Christmas happened, like the numbers are just through the roof worse than last time. Like this, the second wave was in terms of numbers was worse than last time. Um, and it was just crazy again, like mental. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think like, look, you, you kind of just think, I think everyone the second time round, was just looking around thinking, how has this happened again? Like we've, we've all done this the first time round, and then you'd think surely I mean I didn't actually know this but it's a thing that the second peak of the or second wave of the pandemic is actually worse which I find really interesting so I think that like surely the first wave will be even worse because it's unexpected and you don't know what to do and you think by a second wave you'd be like right we can deal with this now but I mean it was worse than the first wave in terms of I mean in terms of contingency plans it was better it was more it was better staffed and people obviously had that experience from the first wave but in terms of the numbers and the staffing and everything that was awful and um the other difference big difference was is so like I've said myself a lot of my friends my nursing friends we all went in with COVID because it was not an official symptom when we had it like we were knackered and um, you know couldn't taste or smell but where we hadn't spiked temperature I didn't have a cough and they were the only two symptoms at the time the first time round we were going into work whereas this time round one it's strictly like those three symptoms you cannot come in and two because of the isolation and track and trace it meant so many nurses and doctors were off sick because they've been tracked and traced by someone they've been in contact with or they had symptoms themselves so in terms of staffing it was actually a lot worse this time round um, and again I mean, yeah, the numbers were really, really bad again. And obviously, you know, things are coming down now. But I mean, if they're coming down slowly. It's still, it's still really bad in the hospital. Um, so yeah, I think the whole thing, I think the second wave, I think nurses and doctors and everyone, physios, OTs, everyone in the healthcare setting just felt like we've done this. We put our all into it last time and we got through it. This time round, we're still obviously going to put our all into it, but everyone is exhausted. Like we've done this before. We don't like, it's just rubbish that we're now in a situation where we're doing it again. This could be, it's preventable. Um, they basically should just wait for the vaccine to be rolled out. But um, yeah, so I think second time round was, I think mentally harder because it's, and I think everyone's found that during lockdown, haven't yeah. they? Like yeah, the first yeah. round, it's like, it's hard, but it's almost like a novelty. Like we'll get through this. Second time round, it's like, we're back in a situation. Like I just yeah. want a normal life. I can't do it a second time round. So I think everyone has found that in every aspect of life, not just in nursing or in the hospital, just everyone in general, I think has found the second round, second way oh, harder. 100%, 100%. Like, because I feel like in the first lockdown, because it was new, everyone was kind of working from home. Everyone was like, 
almost a bit excited by that working from home now and then it was kind of like some people were furloughed so then they were like just going about their day and there was a bit of hope because summer was coming up the cases were starting to drop so everyone had that hope with the second one I just felt like there was no I haven't felt any hope and every time there was a hope like an announcement of the vaccine Boris is on that same day and he goes I don't want anyone to get their hopes up it's like no mate we need a bit of we need give us something to like cling on to so I felt like this second one is as, as not dragged out but like you said mentally because people are like well when is it going to end and is there going to be number three and are we going to be able to see family in the summer and stuff like that emily i just I wanted know. to ask you a question um because mm-hmm. i know a couple of paramedics and i've asked them the same thing obviously people there are some people in the world will, that will deny absolutely everything whether it's you know government conspiracy or whatever it is and pandemic but for someone on the, the i mean it annoys me but for someone that was there living it, and like you said, uh, helping these grown people, mums and dads uh, on ventilators, life support, when you see that sort of stuff, does it does it impact what nurses think? Do you get annoyed by that sort of thing? Or do you kind of just brush it off and think, you believe what you want to believe, but I, I know the real, I know I'm here and what's happening. Mm. What is in people not believing that it's actually how it is in hospitals. The, yeah, the, the conspiracies. Yeah, people, yeah. The, they're like, oh no, there's no way. The, the numbers are fake. There's no one on ventilators. Look how oh, many yeah. are like, well, tell, tell you my favorite, the vaccine, the tracking device. Like what are people gonna do? Walk oh, around yeah. being bloody Tom Tom sat now. Or- but as a nurse, did that, cause oh, see, I mean, you're there, you know what's going on. Does, does, it, does it bother you any, or any of you like nurses, does it bother you? Or do you just kind of think now nah, that like, you just think what you think, we, we know what, what's going on. Yeah, I think, I mean, I feel personally like that hasn't really affected me too much because I feel like everyone that I've, I'm surrounded by, so all my family and friends, like I literally have the clothes, the, like my family and friends have just been absolutely amazing through all of this. So I just, I, they, if anything, they're like, oh gosh, like tell us about the hospital. Everyone like is very interested and wants to know, which actually is really, really refreshing because they actually want to know what is going on in the hospital. Whereas I think some people can be a bit like, oh, I don't really want to hear about that. Like, can't really be bothered. And it's not going to affect me. But actually, I do think it's really important to talk about it and to actually like hear the reality of what goes on. And I've always been very transparent with it with like, this is the situation, this is what's been happening. Because I think if you sugarcoat things, then people actually don't realize the severity of it. And I do think it has been really good in the media as well, where they have shown snippets of what it's like in intensive care. And like that, the videos that you see, everyone in their PP, everyone's stressed, all the alarm bells going off and ventilator settings going off. That is what it's like. Like there is no, that is like a very true representation of what it's like in hospital. So I think, yeah, I mean, when people say, like I said, people personally around me have not said any of those things. Um, and I know that it's been in the media a little bit and it's been a few like protests and stuff in London. But I mean, I just turned a blind eye to it because I just think it's a load of yeah. rubbish. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly the right attitude. Yeah. Good word selection as well with the rubbish because I felt yeah. something else was coming then. Yeah, we might have had to get a little sensor out. So. It really was. Yeah, but no, Emily, I mean, this has been incredible insight and sort of yeah. storytelling from your side. We really appreciate, you know, you sharing this with us and with the viewers. And just before we sort of round this up, let's talk about Emily McInnes. Yes. Said it right. And your, you know, what's, what does the future look like for you? For You know, I've, I know you've gone through an exciting move. Um, so we can mm. sort of hear about why you've made that move and what sort of the, the future holds for you as a person in your career. 
Well, so yes, I have moved hospitals. Um, so yeah, my previous hospital, absolutely incredible. Like was there for four and a half years. And honestly, I've had the best four and a half years, have learned so much, have met the most amazing people. Um, so I have nothing but like happy memories there. Like obviously like in it with nursing and anything in healthcare, you can have your ups and downs, but on the whole, like it was really amazing great place to work um so that was that um and then I think because I had a little taster of the intensive care setting I thought do you know what I actually do feel like I want to continue this just to kind of consolidate what I've learned so far and where adults is very very different to pediatrics I thought I've had a taste of intensive care in adults I now want to kind of transfer some of those skills over to pediatrics and follow it through so my next I don't know, like year, two years, to have many years, depends how much I like it. Um, so my new hospital um, in paediatric intensive care now, um, which, yeah, so far it's been great. I mean, I've only been there for two weeks, but so far so good. Um, everyone seems lovely and friendly. and I think I want to learn loads. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this next challenge. Uh, I mean, I'm always like pushing myself and trying to challenge myself. And I sometimes think, why am I doing that? But anyway, <laughs> um, it's going well so far so yeah that's pleased to hear it yeah amazing well listen emily thank you so much you know and we know you you're our friend as well but it's been amazing to hear like what you've been dealing with over the past year we know the ins and outs as well um me jesse we think you're absolute heroes um thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us you are our first guest and i cannot think of a better way to have a first (laughs) first guest podcast yeah. with um, <laughs> the wonderful oh. wonderful hero emily and thank you so much and i'm not, being, I'm not gonna lie i, I want to do this again yeah uh, so we will oh. definitely Get back in touch my friend back in touch and let's yeah. do let's do this again We're, and hopefully we can do it next time yeah. in the same room oh i mean that would be nice wouldn't it and you know what i also want to say is like um i feel like a lot of people have been like oh like you know all of you NHS workers, you've, you know, been working so hard, you've done amazingly, which, you know, is so nice to hear. But I also do think that all of you guys as well, like everyone working from home, I don't think I could do that. And like, yes, we're going into the hospital and, you know, potentially putting our lives at risk and whatnot and dealing with very stressful situations. I do also feel like I feel fortunate in a way that I have actually managed to get out of the house and I've been working with a team of people and I've still kind of you know, although it's been in a hospital setting, I'm very close to my colleagues and I have been able to see them that I've had that kind of socialization element. Whereas I do think a credit to all of you guys as well, like working from home, because that could not be, that's not easy. And I just think in general, like I think everyone throughout this pandemic has just been like amazing and everyone has gone kind of above and beyond, gone out of their comfort zone and it's not easy for anyone. So I feel like, you know, you guys have done well too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jake's had me for company the past sort of month or so. So, uh, and yeah. it has been, it's been very difficult working from home. It has been exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, Emily, we're, we're going to round it up. Just echo what Jake said. You're an absolute babe for coming on, and we really appreciate you, you know, giving us a, a story um, and for you know, being our first guest. So, thank you very much. So, see us out. Aww. Take care. You're welcome. Take care.